Introducing the newest addition to the Sonos home sound system, the Sonos One. This smart speaker blends great sound with Amazon Alexa, so you can use your voice to control your whole Sonos system. Connect it to a Sonos home theater system and tell Alexa to turn up the TV volume in your living room so you can hear an ice hockey play-by-play on the podium while you're cooking in the kitchen. From NBC Sports and Vox Media, this is The Podium. So let's get into the head of Sean White. The shipper of the United States. Lindsey Vaughn, this is her chance now. And I'm your host, Lauren Shahadi. The Paralympic Winter Games start March 8th. On today's show, we're going to look at how advances in technology have created better prosthetics, which have made it possible for more athletes to compete in the Olympics. So here's how it works. In the same way that Olympic sports group athletes by gender or by weight, Paralympic sports group athletes by disability. The process helps ensure that competition is fair and equal as possible. That way, winning is determined by things like skill, fitness, power, endurance, and mental focus, rather than each athlete's degree of impairment. And there are 10 groups that include vision impairment, impaired strength, and even more specific classifications. This year, a record number of athletes will be wearing a prosthetic limb. In this episode, we'll hear the story of one athlete who designed and manufactured his own prosthetic after a harrowing accident. His design was so successful, it's made snowboarding accessible to a new group of athletes. My name is Mike Schultz from St. Cloud, Minnesota. I'll be competing in border cross and bank slalom snowboard competitions in South Korea. Long before Mike Schultz hopped on a snowboard, he was an able-bodied pro snowcross and motocross racer. Motocross is off-road motorcycle racing. Snowcross is basically the same thing on a snowmobile. The story of how Schultz got to be a Paralympic hopeful actually starts 10 years ago at the championship snowcross qualifier. We came into the second round of the national tour, uh, which was December 13, 2008. It was Ironwood, Michigan. That season, I, I started with a, a new race team and a uh, new snowmobile manufacturer, and you know I was just motivated to do really well. And obviously, we had some some growing pains getting set up on brand new equipment for me. Schultz was going into the first qualifying event of the weekend, and he needed to finish in the top five to move on to the main race later that day. The course included a series of steep downhill runs. And a heads up to listeners, Schultz describes what happened next in pretty graphic terms. I just got a horrible start, and I went to make a move about halfway through, and my snowmobile started swapping side to side, and, and I got pitched off. I landed on my left leg with all my weight as my knee was fully extended. Schultz was thrown off his bike in the middle of the race. The impact of the landing had snapped his leg at the knee. It hyperextended 180 degrees and caused a compound fracture and caused some, some severe damage to my nerves and uh, main artery that supplied it. So I was, I was bleeding out on the side of the racetrack. I mean, at that moment, I knew I was in really serious condition. The bones in Schultz's left knee were shattered. We went to the first hospital, which wasn't equipped to handle my situation. 
so I had to get transferred. He couldn't get airlifted to a better equipped hospital because a snowstorm was approaching Ironwood and helicopters were grounded. So after the two-hour ambulance ride to the second hospital, Schultz had lost even more blood. Yeah, it was, it was a disaster. I hadn't had any pain meds at all because of my lack of blood pressure. So I just kind of had to grit and bear it. The first day and a half at the hospital, or two days or so, it kind of fades together at this point. You know, they did a total of five surgeries. Schultz was still hopeful that doctors would be able to save his leg. You know, I, I had no idea that amputation was, was going to be the outcome. I, you know, assumed that they could just bolt it all back together. And, you know, six, ten weeks later, or, you know, maybe a little bit longer, I'd be able to start my rehab and, and start working back into shape again. They woke me up after another surgery and my entire family was in the room and I could tell something was a little off. You know, I, was, I was in bad physical condition and not too far away from not even making it through. So the doctor came in and he, he proceeded to explain to, to me the, the challenges and problems that, that I was facing. So at that point, he's like, we think it would be the best plan of action to amputate your leg just above the knee in order for you to survive. Hearing that, yeah, that, that just gave me shivers, and um, it was a punch to the gut. You know, I had no idea that that was going to be the outcome of it. I mean, I thought it was just another bad knee injury. Schultz spent another two weeks in the hospital recovering after the amputation. When he returned home, he had to adjust to a new way of living. Yeah, I got home on, what was it, Christmas Eve. My wife and I looked at each other and we're like walking into our three-story house and steps and icy sidewalks and all that. And it's like, wow, this is, this is going to be a challenge. He also faced another challenge many people experience who've undergone limb amputation. I dealt with some excruciating, painful phantom pain for uh, several weeks afterwards, which was more extreme than the initial injury pain. How they explained it to me is um, my nerve endings aren't hooked up, so my brain's not sure which signals to read from those, and they just send pain signals. For example, one of the, the worst ones felt like my, my foot was, was getting crushed by a vice. Like the first you know, week or two, I, I couldn't even sleep. Schultz had to experiment with a long list of medicines and therapies to find a way to live with and manage his pain. But he says getting back out on the snow helped speed his recovery. I actually got back on my snowmobile um, before I even had a prosthesis. Got back into the gym and, and exercising and feeling a little bit better about life. And um, got on my first prosthesis five and a half weeks after the injury. That first prosthesis was plastic and temporary, and it fit onto his limb. And then there was a mechanical leg attached to it, and then a carbon fiber foot underneath it. I actually walked out of my first fitting. I was the happiest guy in the world at that moment. I was upright again. I could use my hands. I didn't have to be holding crutches anymore. But Schultz realized pretty early on that he wouldn't be able to seriously compete on a bike or on a snowmobile with a prosthesis. I tried riding on my everyday walking leg and the thing just flops around because there's no spring resistance helping to hold my weight up. So as soon as I would put weight into it, it would just flex. Just go to a sporting shoe store and you'll see that there are shoes for 
dance and their shoes for wrestling and their shoes for boxing and their shoes for running and their shoes for running on the track versus doing a marathon. Dr. Rory Cooper is the director of Human Engineering Resources Laboratories at the University of Pittsburgh. And the same is true if you have a lower extremity prosthetic, then you have to have one for walking and another one for running and uh, you might have to have another one for jumping, for rock climbing or bicycling because the task is different. For athletes to compete comfortably and safely in each of these sports, they need to use a limb created specifically for that activity. Until recently, the options for prosthetics were limited, but that's changed. And the impact is huge, says Dr. Cooper. Technologies have created entirely new sports in the Paralympic Games. Uh, for example, paratriathlon. So there are now individuals with paraplegia or limb amputations doing the triathlon in the Paralympics, which was a new sport in Rio. On the winter sports side, there's sled hockey, which was introduced in 1994, and snowboard, introduced in 2014. Pavlenko of Ukraine wins gold. Oksana Masters of the U.S. the silver, her first Paralympic winter medal. Three-time Paralympian Oksana Masters remembers when she made her transition from everyday walking prosthetics to the high-tech limb she currently wears, called the X3. The X3 is a waterproof above-the-knee prosthetic leg with microprocessing chips that can sense a change in terrain and adjust the amount of resistance in the knee. Masters is a double above-the-knee amputee. Both of her X3s cost about $300,000 in total. I will never forget the first time I could walk with an open cup full of liquid and not splash it. Masters trains in her prosthetics, but unlike Mike Schultz, she doesn't wear them to compete in adaptive paranordic skiing. She uses a sit-ski to propel herself. She won two medals in para-cross-country skiing in Sochi in 2014 when she was 24 years old. As an athlete, all my sports, I've taken my legs off because... I'm a double above the knee, and it's really hard when you're missing four joints, two knees and two ankles. I had my first leg amputated when I was nine, and my second one when I was 14. And they thought they would be able to save my right leg, but the way I taught myself how to walk on that leg when I was a little girl basically blew out that knee and it was just started growing out sideways because of the height difference between my two legs. Master says she originally got into rowing as a form of therapy. When I was in that hospital bed and couldn't get out, that's the one thing I was gravitating to is the minute I'm able to get out of this bed, I am not going to stop. I'm going to go out and I'm going to row and I'm never going to come back in the dock and come back on land. Masters went on to win bronze in rowing at the London Paralympics in 2012. She's hopeful that advancements in prosthetics technology will propel the next generation of para-athletes to go even further. That young little girl, that young little boy who is seven or five or 13 and wants to do the same thing that he was doing, he can jump right in. He doesn't have to wait for that technology to advance and ever have to wonder, like, will I be able to do this? Coming up after a break, we'll hear how Paralympian Mike Schultz built a company around his prosthetic design and how that design landed him a spot on the Paralympic snowboarding team. I live in New York City, so before we leave the house every day, I do a quick, Alexa, what's the weather? But I also love good sound quality, which is why I'm so into Sonos One, the newest addition to the Sonos home sound system. 
It's not just a speaker, it's the speaker. It's the premium wireless sound system controlled by your voice, which I love. This is for the people who love sound. When I first got it, I was thinking, I, I have to set up this, it's gonna take a while. But all I did was go to the link, download the app right to my phone, and the whole thing really just took a minute. This speaker, it's surprisingly small, it blends right into the wall, and you can choose a color that also blends with your decor. You can play Amazon Music, you can play Spotify, Apple Music, all in one place. And plus you can play different music in each room, so my kids can listen to Kids Bop in one room, and I don't have to hear it, and I can listen to Katy Perry. Sonos is offering listeners of the Podium Podcast 10% off one order of $2,500 or less for any product on Sonos.com a great deal. This offer is available for a limited time only. It won't be around forever and it cannot be combined with other discounts or promotions. So hurry up and get your Sonos One. Use the promo code WINTER10, capital W-I-N-T-E-R-1-0 at Sonos.com to receive this offer. Welcome back to the podium. I'm your host, Lauren Shahadi. Mike Schultz had identified a problem. All of the athletic prosthetics that he came across were made for alpine skiing, or mountain biking, so he decided to fix it. I've always been in the shop and a problem solver and really intrigued by suspension components on my race equipment, my dirt bikes and snowmobiles, and had a really good understanding of that. I had pages and pages and pages of of, uh, designs, five weeks on the drawing board. Schultz developed his own prototype that could withstand the athletic demands of snowmobile and motocross racing. I ended up coming up with a linkage system that uh, I have a patent on now. Motoni is what I call it. The ultimate goal with with the Motoni design was to give me the range of motion to allow me to sit down fully and stand up on my motocross bike and snowmobile. And nothing else available had that range. In 2009, seven months after his amputation, Schultz wore the second prototype Motoni during the Summer X Games and won a silver medal in adaptive supercross. Such a roller coaster of emotions to get to that point. It wasn't that long before that I, I thought my competition days were over, and, and here we're getting rolling again. Schultz also developed a prosthetic foot to work with a moto knee. I ended up developing a Versa foot, which also uses a, a Fox mountain bike shock, similar to the one in the knee. The system together just works really well for high impact sports. So, a typical walking foot is made out of carbon fiber for the most part. Um, and it, it'll flex you know, 8, 10, 12 degrees maximum under real high pressure. And the Versa foot, we can adjust the resistance in it, and it can flex up to 28 degrees depending on how much air pressure you have in it. Dr. Rory Cooper says para-athletes like Schultz are leading the way with innovations in prosthetic technology, something Dr. Cooper can also attest to. He competed in the 1988 Paralympics and won a bronze medal in track and field. I think it's largely been driven by individuals with disabilities wishing to do more. They invent technologies that work for themselves, and if they meet a real need, then other individuals will purchase them or they can license them to another company or start a company around it. The summer of 2009, after going to another adaptive sporting event, which had a handful of different activities. They had motocross, mountain biking, wakeboarding, skateboarding, I think. And, you know, that kind of opened my eyes up to what some of these other adaptive athletes were using. And, you know, most of them are just using their, their everyday equipment and just adapting to it. And uh, that's kind of when the wheels got turned and I'm like, hey, you know what? 
I think I could maybe make a business out of this and help some other adaptive athletes uh, really step up their game. Mike Schultz started Biodapt, a high-performance prosthetics design and manufacturing company. To make sure his technology was effective for clients, Schultz tested out the VersaFoot and Motoni himself by physically playing a variety of adaptive sports. At X Games, uh, I think it was 2010, an adaptive snowboarder came up to me. He heard about the leg that I was working on, and uh, he's a veteran and had been snowboarding for a couple of years on a different equipment. He's like, hey, hey, these guys are telling me that you got something really cool that might work for snowboarding. And uh, so I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, it should. I, I haven't tried it for snowboarding, but I'll definitely give it a try. He did give it a try and found he wasn't exactly a natural on the snowboard. Later that year, I met up with him after I had made a few runs on a snowboard, which was uh, not pretty. And he, he bolted this thing on and he was able to just shred down the mountain immediately. The word traveled that this equipment works good for snowboarding. And during that time, I, I would make a couple trips here and there out to Colorado to, to help some of these veterans and other adaptive snowboarders learn how to use our equipment. So I myself was starting to spend a lot of time on the snowboard and was enjoying it. And yeah, they, they, uh, they, um, <laughs> they talked me into competing and I had a blast. Schultz joined an adaptive snowboarding group and competed and trained in snowboarding competitions for the next few years. Then, for the first time in 2014, the International Paralympic Committee added snowboarding to the winter events in Sochi. A couple months after the games, the coach from the U.S. team said, Hey, Schultz, I got some great news for you. They just added another classification to the Paralympic snowboarding, which separates above-knee amputees and below-knee amputees. Athletes who compete in Paralympic snowboarding are classified in three different groups. One for those with arm impairments, and two for those with lower limb impairments. This year, all the U.S. athletes in the snowboarding lower limb impairment classification will compete wearing Schultz's moto knee and VersaFoot. And after finishing in the top three in Paris snowboarding events last year, Schultz enters Pyeongchang as a top contender on the U.S. Paris snowboarding team. Growing up, watching the Olympics, seeing those competitors standing on top of the podium and, and hearing the national anthem play, you know, it gets you choked up. It gets that knot in your throat. That's what I'm looking forward to, and that's what's motivating me to, uh, to train so hard and, and to go through all this hard work. And hopefully when the time comes, we can get the job done and would love to, uh, to be on that podium representing Team USA. The Winter Paralympics begin in Pyeongchang, South Korea on March 8th. A special thanks to Bridget Armstrong and Golda Arthur for their work on today's show. Our show producer is Jonathan Hirsch. Our senior producer is Jillian Weinberger. Our executive producer is Nishat Kerwa. Find more episodes of The Podium on Apple Podcasts. You can watch the Winter Paralympics on the networks of NBC. And you can stream every event live on NBCOlympics.com and the NBC Sports app. I'm Lauren Shahadi. Thanks so much for listening. All right, so Sonos speakers are super easy to set up, but if you just don't even want to bother with that, you can have someone else do it for you for free. How awesome is that? That's right. If you live in any major metropolitan area, up and running, we'll have a trained expert deliver and set up your system. Absolutely free.
Just order from Sonos.com and select Up and Running at checkout if you qualify.